0: Welcome to the Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank podcast, a series designed to give you real-world examples from thought makers in financial services and beyond. If you haven't grabbed your copy yet, check out thinklikeabrandbook.com. Let's go. Right, I am not sure how I feel about today's episode. My guest is Chuck Allen, who, among many other things, is the host of the Cool Change podcast, which ranks in the top three of podcasts, top 3% of podcasts globally. Globally, all podcasts. I'm just going to go mean, ahead and
1: call that the universe because, as far as we know,
0: <laughs> as, far, as far as we know, all of <laughs> mankind, which means that I have completely overprepared for the conversation. I have stress eaten three kind mini bars right before this. uh, And I'm hoping he goes easy on me as we talk about a lot of things, especially the first principle in the book, which is sometimes do the counterintuitive thing. Chuck, welcome to the show.
1: Well, my goodness, with that introduction, thank you so much. I'm going to just try to give you just as hard a time as I possibly can.
0: (laughs) I would expect, I would expect nothing less. So, so your website, uh, which we'll, we'll have in the show notes, um, it, it says to make a cool change is to be intentional about moving from one ba- way of being to another. Tell me a little bit more about that. And how can, how can those changes sometimes be counterintuitive?
1: Well, thank you, Allison. And thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. I think that one of the c- counterintuitive things about change is that people oftentimes think that change starts with beginnings. We're going to start, but we're going to begin by doing something different, begin by doing something new. Mm. And the reality is change oftentimes starts with endings or it ought to start with endings. We should start by beginning to thaw out some of the things that are in place right now. Some of the process we have right now. I mean, systems conspire against change. And whether you're an organization, or we're talking about the system of your mind, it conspires against change, because that's the nature of a system. And so it makes sense to begin thawing out what is, so that you can begin shaping it into what will be. It's like, you know, if uh, I get a call, uh, hey, could you come on home uh, from work and uh, put some burgers on the grill, we having some people over and I get home, and there's a massive hunk of frozen ground beef, <laughs> like I could start chiseling it away and it could potentially work at some point, but how much easier if we had thought out the AK, the system
0: mm. so
1: that we can begin shaping it into something else. I kind of also think about like, if you've got your uh, your iPhone or your, your Android or whatever, and you, you hold it so that all of the icons become jiggly. Now we can move them around to different parts on the phone. You have to do that first before you can change it to the next thing. So mm. one of the counterintuitive things I think about change is that, If we can begin to poke holes in our existing process, not pointing out where someone else has done something wrong, but we begin to find things that are not well about the the current system, and we begin to maybe stop rewarding status quo sorts of things that we'd no longer like to be the case, then we set ourselves up to be able to begin shifting and, and making them more malleable to shape them into the new thing next.
0: Got it. Well, let's stay on the topic of of status quo um, because you spend a lot of time in banking and financial services in and around, which is is sometimes uh, known uh, for keeping the status quo. I wanted to get your take on that. And also, you know, in the book, we talk a lot about binary thinking in banking, and and I know I'm sure in, in other businesses as well. How does status quo and and kind of binary thinking, manifest. How can people find the space between those two posts?
1: You know, in every organization, there are keepers of the status quo. Mm. And you know, we come home from a conference a lot of times. We've been to Money 2020. We've been to something out there, some Finovate, we've been to something and we've become inspired. We come home um, on fire to make changes in our organizations. And Unfortunately, a lot of times we have a sense in which now we know something now we're right. Mm -hmm. And the problem is there's a principle that says you can either be right, or you can build a bridge, but you can't do both at the same time. And Mm -hmm. if we come back into uh, an organization, a system, a status quo sort of a, a of a of a place and we are pointing out where people are doing things, our systems are in place that are incorrect and need to be changed, and yet we lack influence, people don't have a sense that we have their best interests at heart, then it's very difficult to enact any of that sort of change. Um, One of my favorite uh, stories about this is, is called The Old Sofa. It's one of my favorite leadership teachers. Andy Stanley talks about The Old Sofa. And what it means is basically... In all of our, you know, in our parents' homes, there's this old sofa that's been there since the beginning. We've always known it to been to be there. It right. no longer fits with any decor. It no longer, you know, the, the springs are basically shot, you know, that's ratty. And yet it's in their house. And they've moved a couple times, which means at some point someone came to them. and like, hey, do you want us to move this to your new place, your new house? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, and the thing is, once upon a time, that old sofa served a function they needed a place to sit they went out and they bought a sofa and over a long period of time that it's kind of blended into the background they don't even see it anymore it's just part of what is Mm. and and when someone asks them hey should we move this and why it doesn't really fit anymore what once was functional is now a motive and now it's something that oh we, we can't get rid of that you know that's that's where that's where little allison was conceived that's what <laughs> you know you do we will edit that okay <laughs> let's go <laughs> there are things about that sofa that make it wrought with memories these are the mm. things that we and so in every organization there are these old sofas there are there is furniture That is blended into the background. There are systems, processes, status quo ways of thinking that are simply part of what is. And when people come into the the so-called house, the organization, with new eyes, and if all they do is point out that sofa without understanding that there, at once once upon a time, there was a decision made that wasn't only considered a good decision; it was bought off on by lots of people. Right. And there are keepers of that status quo. Unless we have a relationship. Influence with the keepers of the status quo, we can't expect to make any change.
0: Oh, uh, that analogy just it it. I know we we're talking before we we hit the record button. I've been thinking about the that analogy that you gave me when we were prepping for this, and it just it applies in so many ways. And and so I, I think that's going to really hit home for a lot of a lot of folks. So we've talked about you know systems that maybe aren't serving us, don't work for us. What are some, because I mean, you, you have a tremendous array of guests, you're, you're a student of the game when it comes to, to change and to business and to coaching and all the great things you do. What are some companies or some brands, you know, inside or outside of financial services that you feel like are, are getting it right, or that are kind of inspiring you in the way that you think about the world?
1: Mm, you know, there is a there are a lot of companies that I believe are doing some counterintuitive things. And I don't know most of them. There are a couple that I have visibility in that I am just a fan of their excitement because I see it. Um, I think of the work that Stephanie Stuckey is doing with the Stuckey's brand. You know, oh, she yeah. is someone who decided, you know, later in her career that she was going to buy back the family business that was begun by her grandfather back in like the 30s, which had fallen into complete disrepair, but almost non-existent and decided to buy that company back. What was counterintuitive, I think, about her approach was that she as CEO Uh, and now owner, rolled up her sleeves and dove into the social space to build enthusiasm based on her own enthusiasm, a really authentic, organic way. And to just fast forward to the end of the story, um, you know, to have her now appearing on the Today Show without a PR firm, like she's just gathering attention to have her now have a book that's coming out, to have her, I don't know when she sleeps, but she's constantly engaging with her constituency. She's got over a hundred thousand followers out there on, on the on the social networks and so forth. And it's just building exponentially. When I see someone who isn't following sort of the script, maybe the VC script, maybe the heavy investment by another firm script who you're giving away much of the company decided to do this on her own with a business partner, and is rolling up her sleeves and doing it. I think it's very inspiring, and it's caught the attention of so many different people. I think that's a that's a good oh, that's, example.
0: That's a great example. And I um and one of the, one of the conversations you had with um with her uh really kind of inspired me personally as I thought about what else can we kind of do to take the book forward, and and the podcast kind of was was inspired by. By her in large part, just kind of getting out there, right? Not a trained podcaster, clearly, um, and uh, and and so she's kind of someone that I've tried to to model around um, quite a bit. So I think that's a great example.
1: You know, one of my favorite quotes is, "Enlightened trial and error outperforms the planning of flawless intellects." There's a sense in which this action orientation of trying things, see if they work, trying things, see if they work, the enlightened part of that is to pay attention to what's actually working and see whether it's producing the results that you want. I actually think that experimentation, the idea of A-B testing in our lives is not such a bad way to design Hmm. your life, to allow it to unfold somewhat organically to perpetually whether it be in your career your relationships whether you, if you're an organization getting out there trying quickly failing fast being enlightened about it mean we're paying close attention is this moving us to where we want to go or is it not is not such a bad a bad strategy i remember back in the early days of the home depot i was there for almost 10 years at the at the home office after working in the stores for a while and in those days, we were opening a store every 48 hours, going gangbusters. The company was just exploding. It was the darling of Wall Street. And it had this sort of enlightened trial and error strategy. Let's get in. Let's try it fast. If it doesn't work, we'll, we haven't gotten so much invested that we can't pull out and try something else again. And it worked really, really well for a long time. So uh, the, the idea of doing A-B testing in your own life, you know, try this versus that. Which one you like better? Okay, do that.
0: How about that against something that. else? Yeah. I love that. So let's so let's keep talking about life. Yeah. And I'm gonna put you on the spot. Curious, what cool changes have you done in your life? And what are some that you're thinking about? Hmm.
1: Well, I would tell you that the podcast itself was a cool change. You know, I spent 10 years at the Home Depot, roughly, spent 10 years. At Sun, what was SunTrust Banks, roughly, and now roughly ten years um, on my own doing executive coaching, um, and now a few years running Cool Change podcast, and it was born of failure, failure because I um, was unsuccessful in something you've been very successful in, that is writing a book. I had, even though I had a degree in English, concentration in writing the empty page was not my friend and the empty mm. screen. I could not, I, I had a sense in which who's going to care what I have to say about this topic. Um, and I had 50 starts and 50 stops and out of that failure and out of my saying, yeah, I'm writing this book. Um, you know, my wife Rilla came to me one day. She said, are you writing the book or are you not? Cause this is getting <laughs> really old. Nothing is happening really. And I said, you know what? No, I'm not. And in that moment was, immediately released from this weight of, no, I'm not doing that. And two or three weeks later, because the desire to share this content was still there, Mm. it turns out the method had been wrong. The method, when I switched it to the idea of what about a podcast where I could have a conversation with someone, we could spar, we could debate back and forth, it felt a lot more like the coaching that I was used to and that I was good at. And so by changing that method, And keeping the mission, um, I was able to then do something that was not only successful, but really enjoyable. There's a saying that says, you know, marry the mission, date the method. Mm -hmm. Let's, Let's make sure that we're keeping our eyes on that point in the horizon we're trying to get to, but let's pay attention to what's really working right now and what's not. And let's be willing to abandon ship if this strategy isn't working, this execution isn't working and do something different that is.
0: I love that. I love that. It It's, it's hard to believe that something as intentional as I find the the podcast and, and the work that you do, because we've, you know, we've talked in, in a couple different instances about your executive coaching. It's amazing to me that something as intentional came out of, of what you're calling a failure, but, but maybe we call it a first start. Is there Is there a cool change book? Could there be a cool change book
1: on the horizon? And that's what's interesting is that when you are willing to, in the moment, recognize what's working and what's not, and you're willing to out loud say it and go in a different direction, it may open up the doors for that to come back later when it makes more sense. And so now that there are 55 episodes of amazing content out there, the reality is, The book has almost developed itself by default through all of this content. And so now I'm starting a new project to take that content out there, coupled with much of what I was trying to share with people that I've seen work really well with people and pull it together into a volume that might be called a book at some point. And so I feel like (laughs) I feel like I've sort of come in from the side. But that all in due time, if we're willing to be flexible and pay attention to what's working, what's not, and try the things, then who knows? It's not no for now. It is it is no for now. It's not no for forever.
0: Right. Oh, I love it. Well, I think I think we just made news here. I think this is that there is a potential volume opus, cool change <laughs> book at some point. But in all seriousness, I think what I want to underscore kind of taking all the way back to a little book about branding is circling around what you just said, right? Which is you may not get it right the first time. You may not get to wherever it is that you're trying to go, even if you have the degree, even if you follow the prescribed steps, but you will get to that point, I think what you've hit on is, it's not like I've written tons of books, but the one that we did write, it's actually not about the writing of the book. It's exactly what you just said. It's hunting and gathering that content to the point where it knocks you over and says, there is a book here. So you don't write to it, you write from it. And I think that's kind of a little bit at what you describe, which means there's a book in so many, if not all of us. So hopefully we'll we'll inspire some folks to pull out all their old PowerPoints and out all their old presentations and and just see what's there. If we've
1: seen something work well, and we've seen it work across a number of people and for ourselves, and if we've seen things change and we've been inspired by that change in any way, then we have stories. And if we have stories to tell, then we, there, are, there must be a mechanism for us to share those stories in a way that can help other people. A book is one right. of those ways. Podcast right. is another. Conversations are another. There are a number of different ways that we can do that. But I, I encourage myself and encourage anyone listening that those stories are worth sharing. Um, mm-hmm. particularly if they are the intention of, I'm I'm not here to fill your cup with everything you need, but I'm here to pour what I know out of mine into yours, and maybe it will just be enough for the moment.
0: Right. Uh, we're going to leave it there because I can't possibly add to that. So <laughs> Chuck, thank you so much for being gracious enough to come on the podcast. I mean, it, it means a ton to me, just given your expertise, your schedule, Um, And I know that everyone listening has gotten something out of it. So thank you.
1: Allison, you're one of my favorite leaders. Thanks for what you're doing out there.